0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the bigger podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing and hitting the like button and all our posts. It really means so much to us and keep leaving us comments and any questions you might have. Tonight we have the amazing Mary Angela Taylor on tonight. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. And <laughs> um, we're just going to have a general chit chat, get a few. Questions go and get to know a bit more about Mary Angela. Um, a lot of people maybe not know her, but she is from the Mummy Physios. Um, you are a wife, a mummy to four beautiful babies, but there's so much more that we're gonna to get to know tonight. But again, if anyone has any questions, please pop them in below our reels that we have on Instagram. But Mary Angela, tell us a bit about, about yourself. What you know, where did you come from? How did the mummy physios happen?
1: Was this something you always wanted to do? So, well, I'm from Montymore, and then I didn't move too far away from Moneymoor in the fact that I still live there. Um, as you say, I'm a mummy of four. I've got four beautiful children, so I'm very blessed. I have a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and then a wee set of twins. Um, I think one's hard enough, never mind four, and then two at one time. That'll be <laughs> that was a surprise. <laughs> um, yes, okay, it's it's tough and it's challenging to also then own a business but I'm again blessed in the fact that um, I my business partner is Kathy my sister so I think that did I ever foresee that I would be ro- owning my own business definitely not um, and could I do it without Kathy I couldn't
0: well were you always close growing up or were you you know sisters that steal each other's clothes and tell mommy and daddy tales or um
1: so we were definitely close in the fact that there's only a year and three months between us um, but we have an older brother um, so whenever um, growing up I would say Kathy was definitely more of a tomboy okay. so Martin would have took Kathy out to play football and I was sent to play the piano so when I was younger, I didn't really mind. But then as I got older, I sort of was like, well, why can't I play football? So then I was later in life playing football. I started whenever I was about 14. Um, but Cathy, um, we played for different teams. So we played against each other. So, oh, well, that would have been very competitive, I can imagine. Um, let's just say when mummy and daddy went to matches, mummy um, had put a hoodie over her head because <laughs> I played for home parish. So they were technically supporting our team, but they couldn't really let. Kathy know yes, that of course. they were supporting us so there was many's, um probably an argument within the house with regards to football but apart from that we we're very close we we're always very close and like she is like my best friend so but we have a younger sister too and we're very close for her as well
0: Yes but she's totally different She's her profession's completely different from what you and Kathy do and what does your brother do as well
1: is he so similar? So Martin's banking he's into finance he lives in London so we don't see him often um, so whenever he does come home it's lovely because he brings his family home and then we all get to catch up Um, and the youngest of us then she's a dentist and she's actually due a wee baby now in July.
0: Well that's lovely and I suppose it's handy if you've got a toothache you know you don't need to wait on a
1: wait list you can just string her straight (laughs) away and try and get in. Do you know but at the same time though I always say to her well you're blessed actually being a dentist because if you do you still have to wait to get into the surgery whereas if you're a physio you always get posed with it as soon as you say you're a physio even when you were out in uni it was like oh my goodness I've got a sore shoulder and you're like
0: Yes, that can probably get really annoying. You know, everyone will just ring you for like a quick fix. Yes. Well, did you? What did you do at university? Did you always want to be a physio, or how did you get down that road?
1: I always knew that I wanted to be in the caring profession, so um, just going back to the family scenario, the three of us were very close in age, the oldest, and then mummy and daddy thought that was it, and then a little surprise came along which was Grace, so I was nine when Grace was born, and mummy said that I always was like a second mummy, she always oh, said Grace lovely. was the easiest to rear because I took her everywhere, and and even when Johnny and I started to go out, it was nearly like Johnny, I and Grace, so Grace got to go everywhere with us, um, so I just knew I always. Wanted to be within that care and profession. I thought initially I wanted to be a nurse, so when it came to um, obviously um, career choice, I applied for nursing, got mm-hmm. into nursing, applied for learning disability nursing actually, got into that, and then I put down physio because I liked sports. But I think I didn't think I would get the grades for physio, which then I did, okay. and I got in, and that's where I ended was up. was just meant to be, yeah. So. And do
0: you think there was anything in your background that you know? caring for your younger sister or anything else that you maybe did, you know, as a child that wanted, you know, to help other people, you know, maybe helping your mom and dad or
1: well, just, I think it's probably part, part of my personality. I do genuinely care. And um, I think that just sort of, well, mommy and daddy's, I suppose their business, they had a business um, in nursing homes that um, actually had learned disability, both physical and mental um, disabilities. So we worked in those nursing homes from, mm-hmm. we were 16 um, all through summers. Um, so I was always used to it being within that role. But it's
0: a very rewarding role too. You know, you get the see people you know and maybe cheer them up on that day or we activities that you do with them it's yeah. lovely you know at the end of the day seeing the differences you make
1: yeah so and I suppose a physio is sort of along those lines so a physio yeah absolutely you're wanting to um when that person comes through the door you're wanting to help them on their rehab journey mm-hmm. so depending on what they're coming through the door with um I would really hope that I can help them in some way and if I can't I would always want to be able to signpost them to someone that can And did you always want to be, you know, women's health physio, that's your main port of
0: call? Or how did that come around? So
1: when I went into physio, it was sports physio. Um, I was into football. I love playing football. Um, And whenever I first came out, I was that physio at the sideline that did the the matches. Um, and that's what I loved. Yeah. Um, I remember um, an older physio telling me, you know, you will get fed up of being a headless chicken running onto a field. And I do remember when that day came and I was like, this is not for me. Um, Probably I, a lot of
0: travelling with, you know, football team too, back and forward matches or. Unsociable
1: hours. And the sports side of the physio, it um, was very much. the the sportsman or sportswoman um, wanted to be maybe better or before they were ready to be better because they had another match to play. And then you were trying to, I suppose, work their physio plan around that. um, Whereas um, I just... I, I wanted to rehab them fully before they were ready to get back onto that phase. They were getting
0: frustrated, you can understand yeah. if you were in the, their position exactly. you would have been the exact same day. I've been out playing
1: that match too. Of course.
0: And then <laughs> so. what? how did you develop into a woman's physio from sports?
1: Um, well actually whenever we got married, I got married in 2009, I moved from Musgrave, I was always within rehab roles when I qualified I went straight to Musgrave Park Hospital, I had fantastic experience there. Um, I worked in spinal injury, seen a lot of very sad cases but a lot of rewarding cases where there was one gentleman that was told that he would never walk again and he did walk and Isn't we helped amazing? him to do that and you know I still remember that client very well and um, and Then um, brain injuries as well, another really tough placement, but again, really rewarding. Um, Amputees. Um, So Musgrave was lovely because it was rehab. And then I knew that that's where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I had no interest ever in doing chest physio. The only person I do chest physio for is my mummy. That's different. Um, And then I suppose when we got married, I wanted to move closer to home. So the post came up in Dungannon. And I got it, and it was just a general band six post. And I remember leaving Musgrave with a lot, a big physio team, you know, a lot of young physios, a lot of friends, to a really small community hospital. And I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? Um, Because I thought, well, I was the youngest there. I just felt like a baby, starting all over again. Starting all over again, and the staff were a lot older. And I was like, I was missing the crack. Mm -hmm. But actually, those physios became like really good friends as well. And um, maybe learned a lot from their experiences too. Exactly. And that's where I did my woman's health. So I started and...
0: um, So if it wasn't for that, you know, placement, you maybe would never have gone down that line.
1: I would probably have no experience with woman's health before going into the private practice. So, and the story behind that was... um, there was um, three of us um, at that stage, quite young, in the band Sex Rule, and we t- drew straws to see who would be next to go into women's health because okay. no one wanted to do it.
0: Was it just a taboo subject, or it was
1: more maybe fact, not
0: glamorous enough?
1: Yeah, like I, a lot of people that had went into it before didn't like it, okay. didn't enjoy it. So, um, whereas so we drew straws for it, and I drew the straw for, to get into it, and actually, what it turned out was I ended up doing a double rotation in it because I loved it, and I just found it so rewarding and that's where I got my passion and I was like this is just the most rewarding area of physio that I've ever worked in or rotated into so well
0: funny I said to Keith I had never heard of a woman's health physio and it might not be something people are familiar with unless you need one yes you know you think of a physio maybe a sports physio or you know go and see about your knee or, or something like that yeah. but you don't think about a woman's health and if I could go back to being 16 and have to fill in you know my UCAS form again and go to uni I think that's something I might like to mm-hmm. do. I'm probably a bit too lazy now to go and qualify <laughs> to be a woman's health physio because I think you Or know, too maybe, good at
1: what you actually do. I, I
0: don't know about that, but um if I could go back, that's what I said to him, I think I would do like I love watching his work and I think like going through even some of my experiences, you know, you could change so many lives, the mm. things that you do. Like yeah. I, I don't want that to sound too cliche, but you know, woman which you will touch on, like come into your clinic and you know, a year five years ten years with their rehab work or their Pilates classes make such a difference and they maybe were, were leading a certain life before they met you and the life that they're maybe leading now after you know working with yourselves is totally different.
1: Yeah I suppose um why I love it so much and I suppose why Kathy and I both love it is that and why we've done it and why we've created the service that we created because we used to be um, and we still are Middlestar Platinum Physio but the physio that Cathy and I and Amy deliver is as women's health physios we're the mummy physios so um, we do specialise in Rehab and women both within the antenatal period when they're pregnant their postpartum journey and if they are hitting any hurdles there we Mm -hmm. want to help them with that and get them stronger again and also that perimenopausal menopausal stage of life and I just there's such value in that that um Probably isn't. There's not enough information out there.
0: There's really not. I don't know if it's not enough information or women are scared to talk about it. But we are having a women's day on the fifth of August. Yes. So if anyone, you're more than welcome to come, where my aunt and Kathy will be touching on perimenopause and yes. menopause. And it's something I don't know anything about. Obviously, until I get to that stage, but it's better knowing maybe, you know, the indicators firsthand. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe before before they arise. Um, Am I allowed
1: to ask what age you are?
0: I was I was going to tell a lie there, I'm 32, so I'm not far away.
1: You're not far away. You know, I'm,
0: I'm thinking of maybe I've only one child and I would like to maybe, Keith, maybe have a couple more. So, you know, we maybe need to get that sorted out soon, but we've got high rocks first, so no babies before high yeah. rocks, but... Um, I just not sure if there's just not enough for information. So we want to try and publicize that as much as we can yeah. with yourselves. But then how did you join up with Kathy? But you know, if she she's down so the Cathy, same lines as you.
1: Yeah. So Kathy was a physio again, very sporty background. Um, probably always knew she wanted to do physio, okay. whereas I probably was more nurse than physio. Um, so Kathy always knew she wanted to do physio, very sporty, very skilled footballer Um and um she, when she got into physio then shortly after that, then they travelled to Australia, her and column, and she ended up doing a um, physio there. Colin, um, you need to get
0: back to the gym. Just when you're listening to this, you know.
1: See you soon. <laughs> so um, she um, lived in Australia for a while. Did physio there. Did some awesome courses over there, and then took a stage where she was like, I don't even know if I want to be a physio anymore. Okay. Um, in 2015, I had my first child, Dara. Kathy was still in Australia at that stage. Four months later, she had Maggie Grace, and um, then she came home for Maggie Grace's christening. So she, Maggie Grace only a couple of months. Old, we were down in Connemara and we were walking around um the little roads in Connemara, which is just like really brings you back to the basics We stony walls and Lovely. both of us with the wee pram and um we we're just chatting about at that stage I'd been running Pilates classes well for years I ran them from 2010 and money more built up a really good number of classes and Ian Kathy said shall I come home and teach some of your Pilates classes and I was like right and I said are you really going to come home and she was like I think we will um so their plans was six months later to come home and on that walk we talked about what we would do and we'd bring this wee business together and, you know, we'd run classes and we hadn't even a clinic. The clinic wasn't even, it was just we were going to run classes. And Cathy then did come home. She did some locum work and she took over some of my classes. Um, And from there, the classes built because there was two of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got pregnant again with Katie Rose and it was actually on her maternity leave that the classes grew that much. And that then there was a need for clinic because people within the classes weren't getting seen in time in the trust. And okay. it was one client that were like, well, could you not see me, Marangela? Um And it went from that to one of the rooms in my house becoming a temporary physio room so that's where
0: you started from your house that's where we started actually. and now you've recently just opened an absolute beautiful um, new premises it's the old Daliada clinic right. in Moneymore and if anyone knows the old Daliada clinic it's night and day different mm-hmm. because it was real dark and dingy and like just like a doctor's yeah. surgery, you know. But now it's it's absolutely beautiful. Your new premises. Is, Thank you. Um, it's lovely to go in. It's all all the rooms are classy. She gives a tour, a, a tour, around. I don't know what sort of accent that was, but we got a tour, <laughs> and um, it's just. It's a lovely place to be yeah. and you're enjoying
1: being in your new premises. Oh my goodness, it's lovely. Um, well, in between our house, I suppose, and the Home of well-being, mm-hmm. which is where we're at now, um, there's been a bit of a journey. But as I say, there was no intentions of it to grow the way it has grown. Mm-hmm. It has just happened. I know it sounds really cliche, but it really has just happened for us. Um, but, but
0: with the support of everyone that comes to your classes, yeah. it, you know, have helped you along the way, family and friends, you yeah. know, you just keep building and building and you know, the good thing is you're not scared to push yourselves, and you you've know, thought about bigger premises, or you've thought about you know adding in your clinics, or you know, and you you strive to achieve that, and you're smashing all your goals. Right. Well.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully, yes, we will continue because we have plans. Um, we've just we keep educating ourselves because I think if you feel that you know it all, then there's an issue with that. So, um, last weekend we were in London um, on a fantastic course to do with advanced C sections, and we have purchased a we um, a new piece of equipment called Lymphatouch, which is really f- fantastic for scar therapy and like the lymphatic system. I can't speak myself either tonight. <laughs> um, so we're really excited about that. Um, um, but yeah, and I suppose actually going back to the premise, the person that's seen that and seen the potential in that was my dad or our dad, Kathy and I's dad. And at the time whenever it was just before COVID, it was October before COVID that we bought that building. Um But we bought it with the view that, well, we're going to extend this building. COVID
0: had never been mentioned before this. No, this
1: October. And uh, so that being October 2019. Yep, we got married. yes. So we literally, Daddy said, you need to come see the building. So we came and seen it and we're like, but what if we can't get plans passed? You know, because we were like, well, this would be no good to us if we couldn't extend the building. (laughs) And um, so we were going, well, it's a risk. Um, and we were like well do you know what we just have to take the risk and daddy encouraged us to take the risk and we did and at the end of the day we looked at it well do you know what if we don't get the plans passed it's a building that we can sell on yes Um, but thankfully we did get the plans passed and then the work was done well covid came and then for a long time we had this building that we could do nothing about of course um but we didn't let it worry us and you know I suppose when it came to renovating the place um there was people that probably um would have let us know well you shouldn't you shouldn't do any work at this time it's too expensive and we we're like, well actually do you know for us to grow of course it didn't matter the the price of material, yes was all up. But we were like, Well we we got it we want to get into our new premise. So we just went with it.
0: I think there's some people though that you know even friends or family they won't support you even just because it's you, you know, or they'll say bad things um, or you ever find an Instagram, if you make your Instagram private, so many people will try to follow you. It's just a nosy at your page. You know, I think people forget that you can check who looks at your story, even though they're not your friends, but some people will say, I didn't even some. know that, actually. Yeah, so. Can, so just be careful. <laughs> so yes, if you're not someone's friend, don't um, watch their story, but. Going back to COVID, that's sort of how I got to know the mummy, well, the Mid Ostra Pilates as it was then. I was pregnant with Mabel, it was obviously 2020, mm-hmm. and you were doing COVID Pilates classes at the time. That's right. So we had the gym here, it was COVID, so we couldn't have classes inside, but we were starting them outside whenever you were allowed, remember, take people on football pitches and yeah. everything, but widely spread out. But we also had a an office block just around the other side of workspace here. So I would come in and I would I went and bought my yoga block and my big Pilates ball and brought a mat and everything. And Kathy was taking the classes. So I would stay up in that office for an hour and do my, you know, pregnancy Pilates. And then I would come here and I just qualified as my coach. So I would help, you know, do the classes. And I used to remember coming down going, we were like, we're doing squats on our tiptoes and everything. I like, used to just stand here, you know, doing them on normal squats. I was like, I'm pregnant doing this. So I thought this was crazy. Um, I just thought pregnancy Pilates at that time would have been... A lot of breathing, mm-hmm. a lot of stretching, a lot of relaxing, but you really do work out. You know, we we got a set of weights, yeah, and you do get pushed, and I feel all the better for it. But I was I underestimated what I was going to do, and so I think th-
1: a lot of people do underestimate what. Pilates is about in all aspects normal Pilates classes we have a range of beginner right through to advanced mm-hmm. and the advanced is tough um, so is intermediate as yeah, I'm sure you'll I, know
0: I, I can't I can't tell people enough how hard Pilates is you know it's not about stretching or mm-hmm. you know that's I just that's what I thought it was like but you really work hard and then whenever I I go to Pilates on a Monday night and then come in here on a Tuesday and I'm doing my cat or camel
1: stretches I can really feel my core and I get so hard mm-hmm. and it's but it it's all about hard. engaging. And what would you say in terms of when, what, how we teach the core? So, what, what's our key to the core?
0: And it just has to be
1: on all the time. And if
0: it's not hurting, you're not doing like not that it's not. You don't want it to hurt, but if you can't feel it, you're not doing anything, yeah. and it's a complete waste of time. So, you know, you, there's no point in paying you know for a course or classes and not get anything from it. Yeah. So you want the feel to feel the burn. And you might not like it at the time, but you know it's going to be beneficial later on. You know, when the class is over, you're like, yeah, that was really good, but not at the time. Like, let's not do that again.
1: So I suppose in our way, that's where the women's health side of things comes into our classes too. Because when we teach the core in our classes, it's always through the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. So we're all encouraging men and women to engage the pelvic floor so that they've got their core on. And that's what I always say in our classes, look, you know, we are about the centre, we're about the core from front and back. And when we're moving arms and legs, they're the weights, you know, or we might also have weights in. But it's all about getting that sort of core switch on. No,
0: definitely. And even stability side of things, you know, which I know it's it's greater later in life, you Mm -hmm. know, if maybe you fall or anything like that. But just even like learn how to stand on one leg or something like that. You wouldn't be surprised you think it sounds easy, but, you know, in Pilates, like, it's so much harder. But, no, that's how I started. So, pregnancy Pilates, and then I had Mabel, and then I took her to, you know, baby and mummy Pilates in the... the church hall or Mm -hmm. you know in money more there before he's moved and that's where i started but i love that i could take mabel with me but i just knew i could push myself a bit more when she's not there Mm -hmm. and that's what i tell my mamas too kids are more than welcome and that's great but you will work so much harder without distraction Mm -hmm. so then that's when i decided to join the evening classes and got to leave her at home she can stay at home with daddy and i can get out for an hour myself and i've been doing platties now like mabel's coming too so you know, the guts of two years, I started as soon as I could. I went and got, you know, my mummy MOT with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's how me and you first met. Yeah. Because I had Kathy and then I had Amy for my pre pregnancy whenever I went face to face. And I remember I, I don't know, some of the viewers will know this story, but. About two weeks before I had Mabel, I was about three or four centimeters dilated already and I was going to Pilates classes and Amy knew this at the time, but every night she's like, just you be careful. She's like, I don't want any babies born tonight, you know, because I had lost my mucus plug and everything. So I think Mabel should have been here before she did come. Mm. But she was just, every five minutes, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? Is there any pains? I'm like, no, no, I'm grand, I'm grand. And she's like, well, hopefully not see you next week. But then I would keep todding on. I'd keep coming to class because Mabel had no sign of coming. But no, I I love Pilates. I, I sometimes find it difficult because I it's longer to maybe see changes because I know they're all a lot of internal changes that Mm -hmm. I need. Like I've got a weaker pelvic floor and I can see a difference at getting stronger. But I also think, you know, a lot of the strength Work has even helped me do like full press ups and everything because yeah. we do a lot of planks, you know, a lot of the baby planks. And I really can see myself developing. I do my, my gym classes and everything, but I, I think Pilates has a big impact on that as well. Yeah.
1: Well, I see a massive difference in you in classes. Oh, that's right. and you just
0: have to say it, I'll pay you later on. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I do. I actually do see a massive difference. And the thing is, in classes, when I walk around the classes, the pre activation that I talk about, that the core seeing the turn on of the core muscles, those tummy muscles, before you do them. Movement. That's what I love seeing, and that's what I know people are, are working. Mm-hmm. So I always see that with you. Well, that's very kind. You do keep things slow and controlled so that you're getting that. But yes, and I I won't ever forget the first day that you did come through those clinic doors. They're not; it's not as nice a clinic as we've got now because <laughs> you were in old school and yes, money more where we had a wee back room there. Yes, we did right. venture from our house to the old school. Mm-hmm. We got the priest to to build us a wee room in there, and we did clinic there for a while before we end up in the station house. But you—that's where you started out with me. I remember your first mm-hmm. appointment with me, and
0: I, I remember you like suggested like taking photos, and I was like, oh dear goodness, not. I hope like I wouldn't be taking photos. At normal times, yeah. never mind if my C-section scar or anything like that. But
1: and um, even to t- to talk about the C-section scar, no,
0: don't really even really talk about it much now either. Right. Um, mm-hmm. or you know that lymphatic like machine thing mm-hmm. that you've learned about. Like, I think that'd be really good. But but now I'm at the stage I forget my scars there and I don't really pay any attention to it. But I think maybe I possibly could be lucky because it's it's quite neat, mm-hmm. you know, and some other people might not be. It could be a bit messier. So why just try and ignore it and um, don't really touch it at all? Or which my aunt is probably like, you need to give it massages and everything. But no, I I haven't really talked about my birth trauma or I try and block it out. But I'm getting better at it because I want my mummies to talk about it a wee bit more. And yeah. I think that's a great service that you do. You know, that's the whole point of the mummy MOT. And I love the name of it too, that you go in and I always recommend it really highly. And you may cry for the whole hour. You know, because it's such a safe, Mm -hmm. open place that you can talk about. And, you know, you've got four babies, you've been there, you know what people go through. And it's just so nice to know that you're not alone in that situation because it is sometimes a real taboo subject or you think, oh, we've just had a baby, she's fine and she's out and about the next day. And it that's,
1: that's a big one. I think mm-hmm. people pass judgment very quickly. Um, you know, I've seen a couple of mummies recently there that have come into me and um, from an outset or an, um, an outsider looking in, um, they would very much believe that mummy has bounced back as mm-hmm. such. Um, and f- these two mummies that I have seen recently have really struggled because they feel so weak Mm -hmm. and are struggling with diastasis. So a a lot of tummy muscle separation. So yes, although they um, basically have lost a lot of the baby weight, the both of these ladies come to mind just don't feel strong Mm -hmm. um, and like struggle with simple tasks like getting in and out of bed. Um, So, you know, Again, like that can be as hard for that mummy as for the mummy that's be struggling to lose the baby weight mm-hmm. as well, um, and. Again, also going back to the taboo subjects, to the mummy that has lost the weight, looking great, back playing, um, whatever sport it is that they want to play. Maybe they're struggling with leakage.
0: Yes, I know. You know, and
1: it's they're maybe not talking about that, and they're you know, um, especially if they're playing with other teammates that are just putting on a pad and and getting on with it. But mm-hmm. that's definitely not, as you know, no. something that we recommend. Um, we are happy to talk about the pelvic floor. Um, and about how leakage is common. And I think that's important to know that it is common, but it's not normal. I, and I,
0: I never knew about pelvic floors or leakage. You know, I think well, women should maybe be taught this in school or absolutely. something. But until I, that happened to me and until I went, you know, to get help with it, you Know when you're scared to mention it to other people because they are be like, oh, She's just paying herself, but like it's not that, you know. Or they make jokes about being on a trampoline or you know, Bicy jumping jack, yeah, something like that. Um, so I, I really try to make here an open space that people can talk about. Or someone mentioned to me today they had listened to my podcast last week where I described a c section about rummaging in a bag, mm-hmm. you know, that's how you know maybe you'd lost your keys and you're searching for it. And the woman that mentioned to me, she had had a c section now going back a good few years ago but she said like she just clenched up and she went straight back there mm-hmm. you know but definitely even 10 15 years ago nobody talked about it you had a baby you were out and about you told everyone you were fine and you pretended you were fine yeah and a lot of people are still like that today I know I pretended I was fine for a long long time and it's only really Keith or every time I used to break down in your room um that's you know the health visitor would come and i pretend I would be okay but I was not drowning okay. inside not mm-hmm. okay um And then I eventually had to go and get that help, and I'm still trying to get that help. And I want to make people aware that it's okay to ask for help. And you know, C sections or you know, natural delivery or all types of deliveries are normal. And whatever way the baby come out is great. And as long as the baby's healthy and the mummy's healthy,
1: that's all that matters. It doesn't you know matter how they got here. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that there is a feeling. Sometimes that if you end up with a C-section for some mummies, um, they feel like they've failed and that's so wrong.
0: They call it what they call mind failure to... Progress. Yeah. And
1: so the language is so wrong. Nearly Be- as if
0: it was my fault that yes. I couldn't get her,
1: yeah. you know, out. The language is so wrong. Um, you know, um so I really do do think that we need to change the narrative on that because as you say, you know, whatever way that baby is birthed, the big the big thing is supporting the mummy to recover from that birth. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, a traumatic C section or even a traumatic vaginal delivery, they need su- the mummies need support.
0: Because I always find the mummy when you're pregnant the mummy everyone checks in on the mummy like how are you feeling today are you okay but as soon as that baby's born oh how's the baby you know mummies are forgot about so i make a real effort because i might have been one of those people because yeah. i didn't know when i was naive yeah but i make a real point now like how are you because i know yes. you're amazing and you will look after your child yes. but are you okay
1: yeah
0: you know and, and that's, that's just something i've
1: learned yeah no and i think that going back to the birth trauma as well um That's a big thing and uh, you know and you've very bravely said there Alex that um, you know you're still processing Mm -hmm. yours and that's okay because I'm obviously come two years as well I'm just like with the twins Mm -hmm. and with the twins birth I had my first two were um, vaginal deliveries, and then Annie and Leo were twins and I had the rarity of having a vaginal delivery and then an emergency c-section all in one birth. But what I will go back to say with birth trauma is I had to take my own advice on that I would advise other mummies that if you're dealing with birth trauma, you will have to deal with it at some stage, but mm-hmm. you will know when that stage is right for you. Yeah. And it might be that you deal with it in one go, or it might be that just every now and then little things help. And by talking about it and opening up about it, that will help. Um, for me, I shelved mine for a long time because mm-hmm. I had to um, to just continue to be a mummy and to to be back in work. And um um, as I actually did share with you recently that it was um, on a walk and a, a, until um, a game. Um, I think the twins were approaching a year and um, I seen this elephant in the garden and I was like, right, it's time to dress the elephant in the room because for me, there was an elephant in the room and there was birth trauma there and I go to a counsellor and I'm happy mm-hmm. to share that and that's part of my healing healing journey and I encourage all of my mummies to get a birth debrief um, to find out um, what has happened and that's the start of the process and then it's to seek help potentially talking it through Mm -hmm. for other people that's not the right avenue Um, but it is um, acknowledging that it is okay to not be okay for a while Mm -hmm. about it but also to know that you know you're wonderful to have birthed your baby and that it was not your fault and there is nothing wrong with these sections, that's the big thing they're actually a major abdominal surgery and they're tough to recover from.
0: Yeah, I think people sometimes, you know, you hear people are, oh, she's too posh to push. You know, as if, like, a the C-section's the easy way out. But yeah. he sent me a reel on um, Facebook, I think it was today or yesterday. And it's like a video, not of a real person, but it c- shows you all the different layers that you cut through. It's like seven, seven layers. layers they go mm-hmm. through to, to get to the baby. Yeah. And it's no... It's not a wee, you know, keyhole surgery that you're up and about the next day. Like, it's major surgery
1: that you should be resting after. Yeah, but in our country, um, that's not no, what you just, happens. No, you just know. You're handed the baby and you're like, off you go. Um, and that's why it's so important to have a support network around yeah. you. Um, and, you know, I think we're so good. We are sort of, like, come from that background where Irish mummies and it's just you get on with things yes. and you do things. But, I'm very
0: much like that. I'm like, oh, I'm grand. And then yeah. you know, like, I'm like...
1: Crying inside, you know, I'm like, just help me. But this is why we need professionals like you and I and Kathy and Amy that are there that are asking the mummies, mm-hmm. and how are you? Yeah. Do you know, because that's the most important thing yeah, is no. asking the question, but how are you? Do yeah, you know, no,
0: I make a real point and, you know, that's why I love them when they come to class and we stay for a cup of tea and a bun on Thursday and they chat about everything and anything, you know, mm. in that half an hour. And it's it's not about their babies, it's just, you know, even taking their mind off babies even for half yeah. an hour because babies consume your life yeah even manhating, man-hating yes sometimes <laughs> keith shouting man hitting in the background yes we do a lot of slagging uh. off of men but keith joins in he's here he <laughs> he, he starts woman hitting clubbing so as well but no and um, that leads us on though when you're speaking about annie and leo you're doing an amazing fundraiser from they turn two till they'll be three yeah you're doing it for a whole
1: year tell us a bit about that so um, I suppose I've shared a little bit there in the fact that obviously Leo um, was an emergency C-section under general anaesthetic. So I never actually seen Leo being born. I was put out. It was highly traumatic, and I then when we when I woke. Um, I learned that he was a neonatal. Uh, I knew I had a daughter at that stage and I found out I had a son, but he was a you neonatal. Didn't
0: know the, you didn't know the genders beforehand? No, we didn't know no, the you, genders. Did you know the genders with any of them?
1: Nope, didn't find them out with any of them. Oh, so, I think that's lovely. to be uh, very surprised. I think that's there's very little surprises in this world now and I would... I highly recommend that. Though I do understand why mummies do find out mm-hmm. as well, to be prepared. But I always think there's very little surprises on, on Earth right now and I just think that is one of them. No, ours know? was
0: a surprise. I was adamant it was a boy, I would have bet my life. Steven's <laughs> it was a boy and Keith's like, no, no, it's a girl. And then I had convinced everybody that it was a boy and I had no idea uh-huh. what it was. Just a feeling. But then when they brought out, it, it was a girl like, I was like, no, I don't know.
1: Are you sure? Like, just <laughs> check. But she Was a girl, but then so carry on. Um, so yeah, so as I say, then, um, obviously, then actually, like Kathy knew I had a boy before I did, Aww. do you know? So there's elements of that, but I, we will be, Johnny and I will be forever thankful for the Neo Neil team that stepped in and literally basically saved Leo and are the reason that we were able to bring him home, and um, he spent um 72 hours this is what our fundraiser is all about okay. so we were like what what's the meaningful um in terms of our fundraising ideas and we all wanted to be around the number 72 and that is because he endured 72 hours of cooling therapy because when he was born he didn't breathe over 5 minutes so when they had to resuscitate him and then to protect his brain from further like um Potential damage because of the lack of oxygen that went to his brain when he wasn't breathing. No, in, in fairness, obviously, the paediatric routine there were in there straight away, giving mm-hmm, him oxygen. Um, but he um, underwent cooling therapy. So 72 years, um, he was as we wee cooling um, suit as such. Um, and then within those 72 years now, we had two times where we thought we lost him at the same time where he... Um, Took uh, a seizure and um then all the machines started bleeping and um the the
0: scariest noises. Scariest in the world.
1: noises, but the nurses were phenomenal and um like as I say, like you know, highly thankful to that team. So we want to give back basically. Um, so, we want the money to go directly to neonatal. And um, basically, I've been speaking to the sister in neonatal and um, just been back and forth on a few ideas. And actually, the fundraising now is to raise money for um, fantastic life saving equipment that um, will allow that if a baby needs resuscitated, um, it will allow the mummy and the daddy to actually bond with the child so once the the paediatric team or the neonatal team or the crash team have resuscitated the baby and got the baby Mm stabilised instead of the baby being taken directly away from the parents and the parents not getting to hold the baby or bond with them if um, well the the daddy will definitely get that bond in time and if the mummy isn't under general anaesthetic they will get time to bond before baby's taken to neonatal which I just think would be amazing and would really help with potential trauma avoiding trauma so yeah I think that's amazing. So that's what we're doing along with just any extra funds raised um to go to staff well being for the and nurses.
0: You've got a couple of months under your belt already. So Johnny did 7.2 minutes. Yeah. Was it every day of cold water, therapy. you know, the cold water therapy for yeah. the whole month of May? Uh huh, that's right. So, blessing that be freezing. Uh-huh. And then the month before that, you, you did your running.
1: Yeah. So, I aimed to do, um, I sort of worked it out to do about 5K so that I would have at least 72 miles under my belt by the end of April. Um, but some nights I ran a little bit longer. And then on the last day, which was the twin second birthday, the 29th of April, we had our first event and I, me and Kathy both ran around Lockvay. Um, so, We managed to do about eight miles, so it left us hitting a hundred mile or it left me hitting a hundred mile that month.
0: And this is just, you know, you maybe have worked all day, in clinic all day, Pilates classes to like 10 o'clock at night. And then you still had your 5k to do before you would go home
1: and start getting lunches ready, getting school bags packed to start like the next day. And that's why you should have a goal, because now I'm wondering, why have I not done a run? So I need to actually have a goal. Anyone
0: out there that says they've got no time to get like 5k, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. If angela can do it after like 12, 13, 14 hour shifts, you can go out and do it. Yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> yes, it's
0: always good to have a goal, it's easier to Math's work towards. Okay
1: massively I do believe that and know so, what
0: is in the future well I know we'll let, little secret that we might have something yeah. planned with yourselves coming up for help to raise money for le- little Leo but have you anything else that you know you really want to focus on the next 12 months even with the fundraiser or for the mummy physios I've seen you have a new pregnancy programme coming
1: out that's right so um I, yeah we're doing um, a wee bit more online for what we were finding was clients were coming to us from further field that can't avail of our face to face classes so we always had online programmes from Covid mm-hmm. so Covid was a silver lining from that perspective it just
0: showed we we learned a lot from ourselves even Covid you know that we could do online training yeah. you know for
1: people further afield which is great yeah and that actually still suits a lot of people and a lot of people haven't went back to face to face gyms or face to face classes um, but it, you obviously have your clients that are de- definitely face to face and they need that accountability I, I'm better like seeing someone face to yeah. face because you can bluff online too <laughs> you know and then you can't you can't be messing about when you're in class no you can't but um, so I do yeah so far that we've, we've developed their postnatal online programme we've hit up and running from April um, where what we're doing extra with that is just giving it a bit more accountability WhatsApp support group um, and we have our CSC one as well and then the, the antenatal one so that was their next group that we wanted to do so that we could get clients that can't come to us um, that come to potentially see us from clinic perspective but are further away so that they can still be within our programs so yeah we're excited about that so we're going to take them through their whole pregnancy journey and obviously for them the sooner that you know they um join that program the more valuable it is of for course, them. yes So
0: well I'm excited that if I am ever lucky enough to have another child I'll be straight back to pregnancy platys and Super. go through the whole journey. Which I suppose I have done. I just started a wee yeah. bit differently online. Yeah. Um but it'll be nice to do that journey again. But I think we'll wrap it up there, Angela, thank yeah. you so much. But um We'll get the Mummy Physios handle down below Mary Angela and we'll put Academy and mine underneath. And if anyone has any questions after you hear this podcast, please let us know. I can pass them on to Mary Angela and I'm sure this won't be the last you see of Academy with the Mummy Physios. Definitely not. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.